is that on your mug? Is that two gorillas going at it? That's exactly what it is. I like monkeys. Probably my favourite animal, actually. Are we talking outside of domestic pets? Well, they're animals, aren't they? Okay, dogs then, I guess. Oh, what a cop out. <laughs> well, it's boring, isn't it? But you, I sort of gave you the out of not including domestic animals. And you didn't. I'm also quite yeah, but that's fond because of... I, I think dogs... Like, where does it, where's the distinction in life? Yeah, but you're you know, allergic animals. to them, so... I am allergic to them, yeah. I just think... If I was allergic to dogs, I probably wouldn't like them either. They've absolutely hit the jackpot. Hundreds of years ago, years ago, hundreds of years ago, they weren't pets, were they? Now they're living the life. And yet some animals are in zoos, some we eat. Dogs, though, nah. I've looked into the history of uh, dogs as domestic creatures, but that's actually quite intriguing. I might do that after we've yeah. done this pod. When, when did that happen? When was when was the first pet? That would actually be a really good idea. For, that would actually be a really good idea for a pod. How different animals became domesticated. I'm quite fond of rodents as well, like chipmunks and squirrels and oh, meerkats. Yeah. I don't know what it is about them. I just love them. I think they're great. I used to have hamsters. It was the only thing I think I wasn't allergic to. So just put them in its ball, run around. Great crack. I did. I had a lot of hamsters when I was a kid. You know, when you used to take the school hamster home for half term or the school gerbil and then it would die over the half term and then you would <laughs> be like, even though you've done everything you needed to do, it just died of old age or whatever, or however they die. Or I don't know, your, your cat got it. Yeah, that was always pretty heartbreaking. I was going to say I wasn't trusted with that responsibility, which probably says a lot about me. Yeah, it says more about you than it does about the gerbil, I think. Tell you what the best thing I've ever seen, a white tiger white tiger was this a, a magic show no in singapore actually which is the best zoo in the world apparently one okay. for 10 years running or something stupid and they have better than chester zoo can't be anyway we've been talking about animals for way too long how was your weekend what did you do very good um not a lot I spent a lot of time in front of the tv watching sport upon sport upon sport really is this uh, because you can't go out running it's exactly that. Um, I, don't like, start, I don't want to start the pod off uh, on a bad note, but you obviously, for listeners that don't know, and why would you, George is, am I allowed to call you like an elite runner? Because you, yeah, we'll you are part of an athletics club. You have run a marathon in about one hour ten. So we'll I think it's it, okay. We'll call myself an avid runner. I think elite is where I'm aspiring to be. Okay. But your knee is uh, giving up on you. Yeah. I'm an old boy now, clearly. I mean, even my knees didn't give up on me until I was in my late 30s. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just overuse. So, uh, I did watch the Chicago Marathon actually yesterday on the TV. It was very good. This woman was like, she was 10 seconds ahead of the world record. It was like she was going to win it. And then the end of the marathon, there's sort of this little incline and it just killed her. And then she ended up missing it by like three or four seconds. And she beat, she beat second place by five minutes and then missed out on the world record by like seconds how gutting is that my favorite ever marathon clip is that one where it might not have been a marathon but it was it was a race of some sort and the geezer started celebrating and he wasn't over the finish line so oh, someone just no. overtook him and won <laughs> he was like miles ahead of second place he just started celebrating got really excited got overtaken hilarity all round. Did you see the guy last week in london just some amateur like myself was like i want to say that i was a leading the london marathon so we just sprinted the first two yeah, i did see that <laughs> all the elites <laughs> and then he was absolutely knackered but he, he did it in like, winning the london marathon like, he did it in eight hours. hours but he got to say that he led for a couple of minutes <laughs> that is very Good funny stuff. i went to watch my beloved talkie united because yes. they were playing at york which is only sort of half an hour away from where i live in their new little tin shed of a stadium less said about it the better i think shocking game shocking result. Well for you boys is it 
No, we're rock bottom of the league. And I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but I sort of made a joke about that on Twitter the other day and some live people got unhappy about it. Uh, um, I did see that, yes. And we went to play JCB Golf Club the other day. We did. We have a good crack round. Oh, JCB, JCB Golf and Country Club. That was uh, an experience, wasn't it? What did you think of the golf course? Well, first As- of all, the, the whole place is just like, pretty remarkable isn't it i mean almost had like a it reminded me of just going to like a resort in america or somewhere like that like when we got there i mean we it didn't feel like we were in the uk did it it's very cool isn't it because you go past jcbhq there's like a house down the bottom which i think belongs to the head of security and it's got like a moat around it and then you've obviously got the huge building behind uh and then you've got what is essentially what I was going to call it a JCB graveyard, but it's not, is it? Because they're brand new. But So it's just got a sea of yellow as you come up the hill. Experience is incredible, isn't it? And the, everything about it is just phenomenal and awe-inspiring. Um, and the way you're treated by the staff as well. And I think the golf course is really good fun. Um, I don't think it's one for the purists. Uh, I, I just treat it like it is somewhere that I'm only ever going to play once or twice in my life. I was lucky enough to play it earlier this year. Didn't think I'd ever go back. And here we are having a NCG team day out there. So that was cool. It was good fun. Enjoyed the day. And we won. So that we was good. Win, me, yeah. You we and won. me and Steve Carroll, our rules of golf guy. Didn't win a prize. No prizes were organised. So that's absolute. So if, if, we, if did anyone, nice, uh, we did get a nice JCB tower with our names on it. You do get a nice towel, but I want a better prize than that. So if the if the powers that be are listening. Well, they will be listening. Sort that out. I think if you are listening to this and you're not a power that be, maybe should we, should we dish out some Twitter accounts? Right, start tweeting, telling <laughs> George and Alex deserve their prize. Correct. Anyway, let's talk about golf. Mr. Norman is not happy about OWGR no, he's and not. The, the lack of ranking points for Liv slash the Minotaur still. Uh, that has happened since our last pod. So if you're not familiar with the story, Liv Golf have uh, developed a strategic alliance. I hate that phrase so much. Whether it's PGA Tour and DP World Tour, where, whoever it is. It's like, who was it? Um, the conscious uncoupling of Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow's marriage. It's just a nonsense phrase that doesn't really mean How anything. How is that stuck in there? Uh, just doesn't need to. But he didn't think I was going to talk about conscious uncoupling on the podcast. Um, no, so so Greg Norman was interviewed. He basically told OWGR to grow up, which is ironic in all sorts of ways. So the story is they've created this alliance with the Minotaur. The Minotaur obviously absolutely buzzing and they've gone, yeah, you can incorporate your schedule into ours. We've already got world ranking points. I don't know if Greg Norman and Liv genuinely thought that this would be the right way to do it. My personal opinion is they're just trying to kick up a massive stink about it all because they know almost in a, in a, in a sort of Trumpian way that if they annoy the right people, those people will make enough of a song. I mean, look, I, I put out a flippant tweet on Friday morning about the fact that when I was on the YouTube uh, live stream for Live Bangkok, there were only 13,000 people on. And I just said, 
that's not very many that it, it was a surprise it wasn't a dig it was just the fact that i was really surprised because when i logged in i was expecting there to be yeah, you know, at least sort of seventy five, eighty thousand, as there has been for the others. And obviously, all the live fan boys came out, and and they are all boys. Let's face it. What? Um, <clears throat> they all came out and slated me and saying that I was taking little digs, which obviously I wasn't. I just made a point that more people have gone to watch Talkie United this season in their home in their six home games and their rock bottom of the conference. What do you think? I mean, we're at this standoff now, aren't we? And it's just going to keep getting messier and messier. I mean, I have a problem with sort of the world ranking system in that. It seems, at least from what Liv have communicated, that I don't understand why Liv are clearly failing to meet all these criteria, right? Which is fine. Which should be but the end of the discussion. That should be the end, no, of, the shouldn't be the end of the discussion because it's not. These are fluid rules. And why are they saying that it's going to take a year or two for the process to, to go through for one? Why is it not just happen overnight? They, and they are prolonging the inevitable. Like, let's be honest, Liv are going to get where ranking points eventually, aren't they? But surely just, anyone, because if there's not, because there has to be a process for these things. Because if, if there is, why does it take a year or two? It's stupid. That is nonsense. What are they doing down got... at Wentworth HQ? I don't understand why it takes. A... Live have applied and clearly they're failing. So why, why do the world rankings not just come back and say, okay, you're failing on this, this, and this? If you can change this, this, and this by whatever, but the communication is terrible. I don't know why no, they're just not... stalling it and just being it's so the... ambiguous. It's not like they're communicating it all via uh, Telegram or anything like that. It's it's purely a simple, it really is as simple as you can't just start up a new tour and get world ranking. So you and I could just start up a new. So, for example, we've got the NCG Top 100 tour. We're not going to go, oh, we should have world ranking points for that, for a bunch of people to show up at Ganton and knock it around and then go, oh, I'm now 1,785 in the world. That's yeah, just not how, like you can't, you can't just start. I'm sorry, but there's a process for all of this. It's the reason why when football clubs go into liquidation or whatever, they get dropped down divisions. You can't just start up a football club and go, oh, I fancy being in the Premier League. Cheers then, because I've got loads of money. That's just not how it works. Like There's always a process for these things. So in Lyft's case, they've got to show that they can be functional for a year and they've got to meet all this other criteria. So the OWGR is that now, look, I, I don't know a massive amount about it. Like I know the same as you do, which is what's being released and, and talked about. But OWGR are saying you don't meet any of this criteria and it doesn't look like you're going to so therefore you're not going to be part of OWGR is that what they're saying it seems like they're just stalling it for the sake of stalling it because they don't so want not, the Minotaur the Minotaur who now have this strategic alliance with Live Golf they started in 2010 2011 they weren't part of OWGR until 15 or 16 the people in the OWGR are all rivals of Live aren't they you've got DP guys you've got PGA guys they clearly don't want them in and Live Liver equally giving them every excuse not to let them in but then they're just all equally being as petty and I think it's just you're just going to get you're just getting this messy standoff there's going to be legal trouble down the line and at the end of the day they are gonna they're gonna get in eventually aren't they why not just stop all this mess so surely the argument could just be why don't live change their criteria to meet the OWGR and then they've obviously had absolutely either they've really arrogantly just told their players that they will get oh don't worry you'll get OWGR points don't worry about it. We'll sort that out. Or they know that they're not going to get them, but they're just, like I said, they're deciding to do this tactic where they just shout and cry about it until enough people go, this is ridiculous. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. But they're, they, they're, they're doing that on the basis that they've got how many top players already in the league. They've got Cam Smith. They've got all these top ratings. So they're, Doesn't they're, matter. They're, Doesn't I know, matter but that's, that's what they're relying on. And now the argument is, of course... How 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 can we how can these now be a legitimate rankings? 
when you've got all these top guys not getting points and you've got what's now essentially the second biggest league in the world not getting points. I, I know what you're saying that you've got to meet the criteria, but the rank they're just they're just almost you know they're they're making a fool of themselves because the, and I know you said oh it's obsolete, but to an extent it is because how can you really have the have the, how can you really call them a trustworthy ranking system when they're not giving rankings to what 48 of the guys that are well not 48 but you know 20 odd guys are in the top 100 and they're not getting points. It's just the, the, I, it's flawed. The system's flawed now, isn't it? It's not an accurate representation of who the best players are in the world. And that's the problem. And I do agree with that. But at the end of the day, it's, all it is is a rankings, isn't it? So you want the rankings to be accurate. And it's now not accurate. But they are accurate because those players have said that those players knew that they would lose their world ranking status if they left the PJ Tour, DP World Tour or wherever to go and play for Liv. They knew they knew that was the risk they were taking for the money. Now, I would probably go as far as saying that I that I would say that there's probably half those players don't actually care that they're not getting world ranking points. They all know they're going to be playing the majors for the uh, next however long. They know that they can sort all that out. That's not an issue for them. I think your argument only stands up if you get to the end of the process and live meet all the criteria to be part of OWGR and then OWGR still say, no, sorry, you're not coming in. But let's not forget, I know you're saying that the OWGR board is made up of Liv's rivals. Yeah, it is. But it's only the deep, it's only Keith Pelly of the DP World Tour and Jay Monahan of the PJ Tour. The other, the rest of the board is the majors. Now, the people representing the majors in that board could quite easily just go, yeah, we think that Liv should be part of OWGR, but they're not. Now, the we majors, the, the majors is a different story because the majors, we've all agreed, is that the majors just want the best players and they we've talked about this before the majors just want the best players in the field they don't really care how they qualify or whatever or get get an invite and they're they're going to stay out of this for want of a better phrase civil war between the pga tour and dp world tour and live and that's fine but there's obviously it's obviously unanimous among this board that live are not meeting the requirements oh yeah that's true but i just don't understand why they're not why is why is it not it's, it's almost seems like they're stalling rather than them actually telling them that it seems like they're just stalling it right so i think that you say that they all don't like it's only two guys on the board only that don't want them there but i think they're having more emphasis than you think i don't, i think the whole board i don't i think they're all against them and rather than just saying oh can you do can you change this isn't this they're just stalling they're just stalling the whole process they're making them sweat aren't they and it's just this messy standoff now well, it doesn't it, seem professional it, from either side. Yeah, of course it isn't. But OWGR have said to live, you can't be part of OWGR because you don't meet. I, I think I saw there were seven criteria that they yeah, don't, but that they don't this meet. That's what I'm saying. Have they said that? Because, and I know live uh, basically a propaganda machine at times, but when they released their statement to players, didn't they, which came out a few weeks ago, it wasn't that they, they've been denied or they've been told no, or they've been told to change this. They're just being stalled. They've put their application in and nothing's happening. That's what it sounds to me like, which is ridiculous. Well, I don't yeah, know why again, they this, again, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like it just doesn't happen overnight. These but that's people, why I, that, that's the people, I just don't get why. Why does it not happen overnight? Because it, the people, it's, it's stupid. What are these guys doing? I don't understand why it should take a year or two. This is the sorry, big, this sorry, is the biggest sorry, thing they've ever sorry, had to deal with. Sorry, they should just sorry, deal with it. Sorry, why don't you deal with it. Sorry, you're asking me. No, you're you're asking me what Jay Monahan, Keith Pelly. Peter Dawson's. It's not an OWGR board who just sit there going, "Oh, let's. Should we just like you know, 
You know when like firefighters sit, sit around in their little fire yeah, station, <laughs> like waiting for the bell to go off. They're not sitting there going, "Oh, I wonder if anyone started a tour." And they're just waiting for the bell to ding, and then they just they they go like these guys are some of the busiest people in golf. They've got other stuff to do, and like I said, it's a process. You can't just go, "Oh, by the by the way, we wanna we wanna be part of OWGR," and they go, "Yeah, fine." They knew exactly what they were doing. Greg Norman knew what they were doing. The the Minotaur thing is an absolute joke. They they could have just it, it's it's laughable really isn't it I mean it, it is laughable yeah they've got they've got this alliance with the Asian tour so why didn't they just do it why didn't they just say right our our tournaments are part of the Asian tour which has been they've been part of for since since they started up like why does the Mina tour have to come into the conversation the whole thing is ludicrous now I'm just going to end there before we ball out but I do want to ask you one more thing is it time to get rid of OWGR altogether and perhaps look at a new point system well yes because like i say it's not it's not that it's not accurate anymore is it it's not accurate well whether it's wrong or right <laughs> to deny these guys and it probably and it is of course right to deny these guys are the points at the minute regardless of what i think um it's not it's no longer accurate so there, there needs to be a system of properly ranking all these guys doesn't there rather than just because it's it's now proving it's it's inaccuracy so for me i think that i and, and the reason why i asked you is because i saw someone on social media say i think it's time to end owgr now i don't agree with that because being world number one being the best player in the world is an achievement like there's a there's a ceremony around that isn't there we've only ever had i want to say 20 six or 27 world number ones since they came out in 86 and it is like a thing isn't it becoming world number one as we found out with Scheffler earlier this year I want to say yeah yeah I, I absolutely don't think we should be getting rid of them but I but they it just need to change it, I, I do agree with you that they need an overhaul that overhaul is not including Liv right away Liv still needs to go through the processes now I will be if if Liv do make all the changes that they need to make to be part of OWGR and then OWGR are still being stubborn about it and not letting them in. That's a different conversation. But as it stands right now. My point is, we just nothing like this has ever happened. Like you can say, you know, some the tours have to go through it, but this is just so big, isn't it? And the calibre of players that are playing is, is so like, you know, they, they have such an impact on the rankings because they're already so high up. It just... Just we, we need to solve this quickly because the longer it drags out, the more, they're only shooting themselves in the foot because they're just their own rankings are going to become more and more, you know, criticised. And, you know, you can use the word obsolete as much as you want, but they, that is going to happen the longer it drags out. So surely they 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 want to have some urgency in this as well. We just we just want urgency so we can categorically say this guy's the best player in the world. This guy's this ranked because it, it's just getting messier and messier and no one's going to win. are they? I think for me. The big shame is going to be if one of the live players win a major. Now, I'm not saying that in terms of I don't want a live player to win a major because I don't care. I just want I, I want the majors to have the best field, and you know if the best that whoever wins it on that that given week is obviously the best player in that tournament and deserves to be a major champion. For me, it's the history books and the records. You know, as a, as someone who loves looking at these records and digging into stats and stuff like that, it's going to be a massive shame. So, so as an example, when Todd Hamilton won the Open and he was world number 330-something, whatever he was, like that was an incredible achievement. Like, the world number 336 has won the, won the Open. Like, that's remarkable. It sort of takes the shine off of it a little bit when world number 412 Cameron Smith wins, yeah. wins the Open. 
sort of just because he is whether whether he's world number one or world number 446 he is one and of the best players in the world it's going to become stupid isn't it it is going to become stupid because like you say this is not going to get sorted anytime soon and that we're soon going to have not <laughs> not quite that severe but we're going to have situations like that it's like it's just not it's not going to be right is it that's that's where i'm at i just want things to be right alex i just want things why can it not be right i just want everyone <sighs> to get along let's stick to a similar theme this debate has opened again in recent days. Rory McIlroy in particular speaking out on the subject and John Rahm as well about live players being uh, banned from the Ryder Cup. John Rahm's exact quote was, the Ryder Cup is not PJ Tour and European Tour against live. It's Europe versus the US, period. Now, what I quite like about Rahm is, and I, and I think this is why everyone is suggesting that he's going to be the next person to go over to live is because actually he hasn't spoken out against live he's just got he's just said what what you and i have just said which is why can't everyone just get along like these guys have decided to go and do it just let them do it like there's no point in laying into them um well, they did hilariously shut down that bot didn't he quite that was very funny so I, I think that so for me this this opens up a whole new discussion about the Ryder Cup qualification process as a whole. The criteria for Team Europe is that you have to be a member of the European Tour. I get that it's one of the tournament's governing bodies. I I don't really understand why you would have to be a member of the European Tour in order to play. I think that for me, it should just be... I want the Ryder Cup to be the 12 best Europeans versus the 12 best Americans. I don't care what tour you play on. I don't care where you... Uh, where you play your golf I just want or well I think captain's picks needs to stay so let's just say my 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 ideal Ryder Cup would be say the the eight best players plus four captain's picks on each team and I think the captain's picks should be the same number it's absolutely ludicrous that we have this European points list world points list it gets so confusing uh, and so unnecessarily confusing as well Um, and if you want my opinion uh, I'm going to give it to you anyway the Ryder Cup should be based on the world rankings, which probably sort of... <laughs> back to, into, back to this again. <laughs> oh, gosh. Look, I've, I've backed myself into a corner here. Once once Live is part of OWGR, the Ryder Cup should be based on world rankings. But yeah, I, for me, these point systems are silly. And the, the Ryder Cup, I'm com- 100% with John Rahm. Best Europeans and the yeah. best Americans going at it. Don't care where they play. The problem is it's it's already tarnished though, isn't it, for next year now? Even if you were to now say that, oh, it's just gonna it's gonna be horrible. I mean, we already saw the President's Cup how it become this it was, wasn't it, to an extent tarnished by Liv, and now we're gonna see that even more. Not not to say that I don't think any we've already been through this countless times, especially in Europe. None of them are gonna make it in any way, are they? But it's just the old whole what ifs and you know. It's terrible. But yeah, why is it not the best guys? I mean, I've always said that it should just be the captain should just pick whoever he wants. It should just be picked, shouldn't it? You know, like a like Yeah, a you are one. I forgot about that. You are one of those. I am one of those, right? yeah. I think the captain should just pick twelve just players. Pick whoever you want. Europe versus USA, like 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 John said. John, like we're on first name basis, but you know, it's like just, just pick whoever. But we're almost beyond that stage now, aren't we? Because you almost you just and I, I, I think they should just stay. They should just stay away for next year's sake, shouldn't they? Because it's just otherwise, it's just going to be, it's just going to sort of ruin the. I, I, I think, I think, I hundred percent think live guys should be able to play. I think live guys should be able to get picked. I think all that, but I actually think if that was to happen, you're just going to just going to it's just going to be it's just going to be so much heat going in. Can you imagine if they just said, yeah, you can pick them, and they picked a few each, 
it would just, it'd be horrible, wouldn't it? It would really actually just ruin. I think it would just ruin the atmosphere and it would tarnish the, the Ryder Cup. So, as much as I think they should go, I actually don't. I don't want them to. That's interesting because obviously a couple of weeks ago with the President's Cup, we were saying that actually it didn't really seem to, you know. Whereas yes, of course, having Cam Smith and Mark Leishman and Wacken Neiman, etc., and Louis Oosthuizen and whoever else on the international team probably would have, or certainly would have helped them out. Um, and they perhaps wouldn't have got thrashed as much as they did. But it wasn't really a massive talking point once the week actually started. Um, And I I think that'll be different next year. I mean, obviously, you've got (laughs) arguably the greatest Ryder Cup player of all time who's going to be missing out because he's not a member of the DP World Tour. Um, You've got Lee Westwood, who will be missing his first Ryder Cup since the mid-90s. So, uh, you know, Porter, Mr. Ryder Cup, the postman, won't be there, Ian Porter. So I think it will be a bigger talking point once we get to Rome, especially if Europe get thrashed. But, you know, and I, and I said this a couple of weeks ago as well. We're in a transition period. And I think that hopefully Luke, again, first name terms, hopefully Captain Donald will be looking ahead to the next couple of years. And I, I sort of like to think that even if Liv never existed, I think I would still be saying that the Garcias, you know, unless they're obviously qualifying and playing really really well I would say that probably the Garcias and the Porters and the Westwoods and the Caseys have had their day in the Ryder Cup and I'd actually rather that Donald just started looking ahead to the future uh, and picking young stars and getting them involved in the Ryder Cup as soon as possible Um, obviously that conversation is completely moot because Liv exists but I I would be surprised I, 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 I I don't really want any of those guys on the team simply because I just because they're just they're, they're they're just past it they, they've had their Ryder Cup time and I just want to see a young team go out it really is as simple as that um I'm, I'm wondering isn't it a shame that they can't even I agree with you and I wouldn't want them playing purely for the fact but they haven't said anything yet have they so the DP World Tour haven't confirmed anything so Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter as far as I know are still DP World Tour members and perhaps Paul Casey as well and Stenson so may, maybe they can still play I don't well, know it's going to be next February but, isn't it they make a decision yeah but Garcia has said I'm not joining the DP World Tour. So he's not going to be there. Like I said before, arguably yeah. the greatest Ryder Cup player. You know what I mean? It's just so sad that they, these guys can't even go and be like assistant captains or, um, you know, go and perhaps mentor the younger guys there with all their experience. We forget how good these guys were for Europe over the years. Now it's just yeah. completely ruined, isn't it? I mean, you said it yourself, Garcia's leading point scorer in Ryder Cup history. Absolute legend for Europe. It would have been yeah. brilliant for some of the young guys. And it's all, it's just, it's just gone, hasn't it? It's all gone. Yeah, I think I think he's the one, regardless of how he was playing in the run up to the tournament and, there's, you know, assuming none of them qualified. And when I say them, I mean the guys who the, the, the Ryder Cup legends who are with Liv, you know, if, if all of them were in sort of regular form, not really tearing anything up, I think I probably still would just about make a case for Garcia yeah. to go. He's obviously... I want to say he's younger than the other guys as well and obviously has his insane record um, that the other guys perhaps have have had their day and, and he's still got something to offer. But yeah, it's strange. Um, before we move on to other stuff, I should probably just drop in a reminder that people should like and subscribe to their to this podcast on their chosen platform so that it pops up on their phone every single week. Plenty of choice. Spotify, Apple, Podbean. You got them all. We're there and everything. 
just every single week pops up what nonsense is George talking about live golf this week <laughs> here's, here's George Cooper saying that the OWGR should just be an overnight process good grief come on just get Let's, on FaceTime uh, with the boys just start a Skype call and make a decision come on for the good of the game but one thing we're we're not going to have with the Ryder Cup is this the the college dropout you called in, which is technically true, I suppose. <laughs> but I think the the connotations of college dropout is sort of suggesting that he couldn't make it. Uh, Eugenio Lopez Shakara, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Apologies yeah, yeah. to him if I'm not. Incredible win in Bangkok. I don't want to go over it too much because he played a golf tournament and he won, and that's sort of the end of it. But yeah, we, we're talking about Liv and we're talking about the Ryder Cup and potentially this is uh, very, you know, and I'm talking about wanting the next team to be up and coming stars. And this guy has decided to drop out of college from his senior year to turn pro with Liv. He's won, his team won, so he's taken home almost five million in his first victory. Okay, Brilliant. Man. He's pocketed a lot of money from playing 54 holes in the rain and might never ever see him on the Ryder Cup team. Well, we will, though, won't we? How old is he? 2022. He's 22. Is that good? If he's that is, he a mem- is he a member of the European Tour? Though? If he's That's that good, is, when's the golfer's peak? What's that say, 30? Eight years' time. That's It's all going to be sorted in eight years' time, isn't it? I think Surely is. He's, he's got the best of both worlds. So in your in your head, he's just you're, you're thinking, oh, he's going to go to live, make... Right. 10, 12, 15 million over the next couple yeah. of years and then come then, back. Then and... hit his peak, then hit his peak when it's all <clears> sorted out. Yeah, then go and, and play PJ make... Tour and ride a cup for the next 20 exactly. years. Exactly. He's, you know, everyone's saying, oh, isn't it sad? No, he's, he's, <clears> he's, he's been well informed, that man, because it will be sorted in 10 years' time, surely. And he, he can do that. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's when it's going to get really interesting, isn't it? These young guys, they, and, they, and they've... They've, they've taken a, a hit on, well, sort of a risk on quite a few of the young guys out of college, haven't they? And even some of the Asian tour guys, we don't know how good they are yet. Um, they could go on to be exceptional players. And then, OK, we've seen the guys who have gone from PGA Tour to live and now not been able to go. But what about these young comers? Will, will the PGA Tour then come around and say, OK, now you can come on, you know, once they... It's really interesting time, isn't it? And no one's really looked at that side of it, I don't think. Um, who knows where we'll be in the next decade? And and with some of these young up-and-comers. But, um, I mean, he looked a serious player. I only watched on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, what a player. <laughs> it's so quite funny. He had his Oklahoma State uh, shirt on with a, what was it, golf Saudi cap on. I was like, yeah, it just sums this up, doesn't it? Uh, well, I think he's he's the most interesting case for me if he did decide to ditch live and come back to, or not, I say come back to the PGA Tour. He didn't join the PGA Tour, did he? But he's a different case, isn't he? Because... Even though he was part of the PGA Tour University rankings, this isn't someone who's made their name on the PGA Tour like the others, like the Mickelsons and the DeChambos and the Brooks Kepkers and the Dustin Johnsons and the Patrick Reeds of the world. He's someone who has gone straight out of college and gone straight into live. So he's not, well, he has technically shunned PGA Tour, but he hasn't shunned them in the way those aforementioned have. No, exactly. And it depends how good he gets, doesn't he? Because I don't think Liv would want to, down the line, would want to be perhaps taking a punt on one of these guys, giving the heat that they've they've dished out at the minute. And we've seen how many great players they're still producing. I mean, 
we haven't even gone to it yet, but, but you know, Tom Kim's just come through age 20 years old. Um, you look at the top 10 ranking, top 10 world rankings, and we're back on this again, but it's like the youngest in history, isn't it? And nine of the 10 are PGA Tour guys. So it it wouldn't be something they'd need, would it? It wouldn't, you know, be and it'd be quite a messy situation to perhaps take a live guy that, that hasn't been on the PGA Tour. Someone like uh, Chikara, they have to get exceptional, wouldn't they, I think, for, for to warrant a potential crossover and a potential going back on their word down the line. Um, but it's, I mean, it's an interesting time. And what a time. I, I say it to everyone. I've, I've gone into the world of golf writing, golf reporting. And when did I start? In, in May, the same month Liv started. And now we've got all these talking points. I mean, there's just well, never a dull moment. Correspondent. Every single, every day, something new happens. We don't know what's going to, there's it's just a crazy time for the world of golf, isn't it? Absolutely absurd who, know, who knows what's going to happen week to week let alone year to year it's just yeah who knows but what what a time what a time honestly you, you mentioned him there tom kim just everything about this kid just makes me feel all warm and tingly inside about when you watch him play he's just got that beaming smile on his face he just you can tell that he absolutely loves it there was a quote he said after his victory about something about it being was he, he says, like I'm I'm at Disneyland or something. I'm a kid <laughs> at Disneyland. He's 20 years old. He's won twice on the PGA Tour already. Some absolutely remarkable. I mean, obviously he became a cult hero at the President's Cup a couple of weeks ago. And there were some stats from um, the Twitter guru Justin Ray, and I'll just reel off a couple because they're just stunning. So he won the Shriners over the weekend. So he becomes the first player since Tiger Woods to win twice on the PGA Tour before the age of 21. Now. If you do something that triggers a stat that involves the name Tiger Woods, then you know you've done something pretty good. He is the second youngest two-time winner in PGA Tour history, only a month older than Ralph Goudal. I'm pronouncing that right. And that was in 1932. He's the youngest two-time non-American winner on the PGA Tour since 1900. I haven't got a name on that. Yeah, that, one was, that one was stupid. I mean, presume that we don't even have a name. Says it all. Well, I presume it was a, a. It would have been a Britain, wouldn't it? Yeah. He's the third player since 1974 to win a PJ Tour event without making a single bogey. The other two were Lee Trevino. Again, these are huge names, absolute legends of the game, and JT Poston. Um, sorry, JT. That was. Cool. Did that very quickly. And uh, he becomes the third fastest player to win two PJ Tour events. After Robert Gamez, 13, and Sevi Ballesteros, 16, he did it in 18. So, again, Sevi, absolutely humongous. So, he's triggered all these stats with absolute legends. I mean, this this kid has got the world at his feet at the moment. Insane, yeah. And he already broke loads of records during his first win, didn't he? Um, a couple of months ago. He was like, what, the second youngest winner behind Spieth since the Second World War or something. And he didn't remember he opened with a, didn't he have a quintuple bogey on the first and still went on to win like two wins and just, you know, tons of records. Like he's absolutely crazy. He's 20 years old. Makes me feel old. It's I was going to say, what were you doing when you were 20? But you only really ever ask people that when they're sort of a lot older, but you were like, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago, I was at uni. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I, I said about it, but the guy, and he was, he was on the Asian tour. Well, he was on the Korean tour, wasn't he, at the beginning of the year? Playing in, like, the Singapore Open, which I think he won. No one knew who he was. And now he's, like, everyone loves him. I mean, we even saw at the President's Cup, like, even the Americans were cheering him when he made putts. I mean, 
admitted it was probably because they knew they were going to win. Um, but just <laughs> says the star power of him. Like, the guy's the real deal. Um, what a nickname as well. Named after Thomas Tank Engine. He's got it all, this guy. Like I say, you, you mentioned him in the same breath as Tiger Woods' record. Like, let's let's see what he can do now because it's incredible, isn't it? And also on this side of the Atlantic, John Rahm playing in his National Open and winning it for a third time. I liked it when he when he held that part at the end, which obviously didn't mean anything because he was already five shots clear. And someone shouted "Viva Seve" Viva as Seve. the ball was en route to the to the hole. Uh, very emotional. No. <laughs> she very emotional around. Grandma Ram on the side, absolute biggest fan. Um, yeah, I mean, it just says how much golf's happening at the minute. Like we're 40 minutes into a podcast and we just mentioned John Ram, one of the best players in the world, picking up his third Spanish Spanish Open, equaling the great Seve. Um, I mean, I, I had it on the Sunday. It was brilliant. I mean, you had um, Minwoo Lee going up against him. Pavan was there as well. These guys just couldn't. They're just making every single putt. Like it was incredible. And then Ram just sort of did what Ram does and uh, pulled away. Nearly made a stupid albatross. Was it? A, um, it was a sixty-two, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, he was. What a performance! Good to see him back in the winner's circle. And uh, it's crazy, isn't it? How? What? When did the European uh, ranking start for the Ryder Cup? What a month or two ago. And since then, like the Europeans are just lining it up, aren't they? We've gone from always thinking it's going to be an absolute whitewash in the Ryder Cup um, to suddenly, you know, Lowry run, Rahm won, McIntyre won, uh, Rory's up there every week, Fitz is up there. Good showing from the boys. I don't think there's any uh, any risk of the likes of Rahm and Fitzpatrick missing out on the Ryder Cup. No, no, but I'm, what I'm saying is that, um, admittedly, Fitzpatrick did win the US Open, didn't he? But, the, you know, even, even our star names just starting to win and, gather momentum is good isn't it of course they're going to play but you still want them coming into it in great yeah. form and winning and winning tournaments so it's only good for boost conf- boost for confidence isn't it minwoo lee you mentioned that he feels like a major champion in the making doesn't he well he, he really There's something um, about him he won the scottish open didn't he um and it was sort of his arrival onto the golf scene and since then, I mean, he, he's actually been very good in majors this year, hasn't he? He's, he I think he made the cut in, in, a, in a few of them and he was up there. But apart from that, he's actually fallen off a lot. And then they were saying on the commentary that this was this was a big week for him because he was back up contending again. Um, I mean, his sister's obviously an absolute superstar, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, over in the women's game. Uh, and he's swing. He's got such a smooth swing. And if he putts like he did yesterday, like, he could definitely be a major winner down the line. I do want to... Just give a quick shout out to Jody Ewart Shadoff, Yorkshire's own. I yes. say that. I say Yorkshire's own, like you and I aren't both Southerners. Um, obviously, NCG is very Yorkshire based. But at the 246th time of asking, she's finally picked up her first win. Now, she's been on the P. Uh, sorry, she's been on the LPGA for 10 or 11 years. Yeah, her CV isn't blank. As an amateur, she won the English Stroke, played two years on the bounce. She played a Curtis Cup. She qualified for the LPGA after just one year on the Futures Tour. 
She's had five major top tens, including a tie for fourth at the US Open in 13 and a runner up at the Women's Open in 17. Three Solheim Cup appearances, including that famous first win on US soil in 13 uh, and that remarkable match at Glen Eagles in 19. And now she's an LPGA champion. There was a there was a lovely quote from her where she said there were times during last year where I didn't think that I was going to be playing this year. So to be stood here today is really awesome. Uh, and I didn't give up on myself. She was the third player to go wire to wire on the LPGA this season after Lydia Ko and Inji Chun. I mean, that's some pretty sick company to be in. And it was all it was all upstaged by her husband, Adam, on social media with uh, a lovely, first of all, a lovely message from him about how proud he is. And then there was the, the video emerged of him celebrating in their front room watching it on the tv which is always a good thing isn't it so i would i would thoroughly urge people if if you're on social media to to go and dig that video out because it's a proper feel-good heartwarming story uh, and it was just 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 wonderful to see um we obviously want our stars whether they're male or female to to go over to the states and, and play well and win it did, yeah i mean obviously we had, we had sophie on the podcast last week and she was saying how how difficult it is for you know, our own to go over and play on the American courses and it is such a different uh you know, it's such a different style of play and and, it, and when they when they if they can get over the line, it's such a big moment and it really really makes a statement. And then we've had two in a row, haven't we? Uh two with Charlie and now Jody. So yeah, really, really good to see. Um and before we go, I just want to ask you about something because I didn't actually see this, but you did. Uh oh. And it was very, very funny. But there was something to do with Thomas Bjorn and his golf clubs. Yeah, at the Spanish Open, tell the story. Indeed. Um, so before his second round, well, as he showed up to his second round, turned out someone had uh, tampered with Mr. Bjorn's driver. Uh, whilst it was obviously in the bag lockup, um, they changed the settings and whatnot, which led to Bjorn unleashing. Can only decide as a as a raging tweet, didn't he? Um, almost threatening the guy that did it. Um, but I've never seen anything like this. It's it's mental. I mean, I think I described him as a prankster, but I don't know if we could actually call him a prankster. <laughs> but someone's well, got sort of, in and changed. I mean, you say there, do we call him a prankster? But I suppose it sort of depends on the, the motivation behind it. Like, was it someone just messing around thinking, oh, he'll definitely see it? Like, there's no way him and his caddy don't check that sort of thing before they play in a round. Um, and therefore, but then when they realised he hadn't changed it back to the setting, just panicked and decided not to say anything. Or if there was something more sinister behind it. But it's an incredible story. Incredible, didn't it? <laughs> I just can't believe someone would do that. I mean, there's surely you're not going, oh, I'm going to mess with Thomas Bjorn's clubs because I don't want him to win or I don't want him to make the cut or whatever. Like, that's just not going to happen. It's just is bizarre, it? isn't it? It's really bizarre. Maybe someone's got a vendetta against him. And what did he say? I, I hope you get hemorrhoids or something, bleeding hemorrhoids or something was, disgusting. I couldn't tell if it was a joke or if he was actually livid. I think the latter, but... Well, I think generally the, the feeling about Thomas Bjorn is he's a bit of a, a bit of a teddy bear, but I sort of also feel that if you got on the wrong side of him, you'd just rip your head off. I wouldn't want to cross him, no. He sort of feels like, I mean, he's, he's a big bear of a bloke, isn't he? But he sort of feels like the kind of guy who could just put one hand on your shoulder, the other hand on your head, and literally just separate your head from your body without with minimal fuss. Right, what we got on this week, Alex? What is going on this week? Well, Liv is going back to back. In, we got uh, back to back live, have we? Oh, I knew they were going yeah, to. Yeah, they're in Jeddah. I, I knew they were going to Jeddah, but I didn't think it was straight away. Yeah, and we're actually, to be honest, it's all going international this week because we've got the Zozo on the PJ Tour over in Japan. 
Um, and I believe the LPGA Tour is going to China as well this week. So it's an Asian invasion in the world an of Asian golf. Asian invasion. <laughs> it is, yeah. The DP and then, is still and then the Europeans just staying in Spain. Just staying in Spain, yeah. Rails Without Sergio, though. Over. Without Sergio again. So, right. yeah, plenty of golf. Not that we've been short of it anyway. All right, George. Uh, appreciate that. I am hungry and because it, it's lunchtime and I need a wee. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go check the world rankings and uh, we'll be off. I'm going to go start pummeling them with emails. Correct. You live shill. Adios. Bye.